you're listening to the Knowing Motherhood podcast. I'm your host, Linnell Peters, and it's an honor to walk alongside you in motherhood, whether the journey is just beginning or you're right in the thick of it. I believe that your worth as a mother is not based on your performance and that your greatest strength is the love that you have for your children, whether they're in your arms or only in your heart. My prayer is that this little corner of the podcast world will leave you feeling more equipped, more hopeful, and less alone than when you arrived. Welcome to the Knowing Motherhood podcast. Hey, I'm so glad you're joining me here today. As many of you may know, October is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month, and it's not only a time to remember the babies that we've carried and lost, but also a time to be educated on how to reach out and support those who are currently walking through loss. My guest today does that so well. Ashley Prophet is the founder of The Morning, a website offering support and resources for mothers walking through loss, including an online community to help them to feel less alone in their grief. She's also the host of the Joyful Morning podcast, and I've personally been so touched by the way that she allows women to share their stories freely and how she offers them so much compassion and understanding. Ashley knows firsthand what losing a child is like. Her second son, Aiden, passed away in his sleep at six weeks old, and I am so moved by her story and her willingness to share with you all today. It was an honor to talk with Ashley about how to support mothers well, what to say and not say, how to communicate, PTSD, subsequent pregnancy, anxiety, and the importance of allowing others into your grief journey. Those are just a few highlights. This episode is a little longer than normal, but for good reason, and I know that whether you've walked through loss or not, you are going to be so glad you listened in today. Here's our conversation. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Linnell. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so glad to get to chat with you today. It's really, really special, actually, because you you spend most of your time sharing other women's stories through your online platform, The Joyful Morning, and... Um, and I've, re- I've received so much encouragement through it. And so it's, it's kind of special to get to ask you some questions today and let you share your motherhood story. Yeah, it's kind of funny to be on this end of the microphone. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> to bet. Be the one, yeah, to be the one answering the questions. It's kind of funny. I think my control freak like tendencies, I'm not sure how I feel about this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I can relate to that. I can yeah. totally relate. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, you you do have an incredible story and you have so much heart and so much compassion for other women. And I know that that comes from your your own story and the loss of your little boy. And so do you want to just um, maybe share a little bit about who you are and then and what you do? Yeah, I'd love to. So my name is Ashley, and um, who am I? It's such a loaded question, right? Who am I? Um, <laughs> I am a, um, among other things, I am a wife to a church planting pastor, um, which is kind of an interesting part of our story that I might actually share a little bit about. But mm. um, a church planting pastor, and then um, I'm a wa- I'm a <laughs> I'm a wife. Yep, I said that. And I'm a mom to a lot of babies. And this question feels so loaded these days. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because I was just writing this out for something else and I was thinking how how funny it sounds to say it out loud. So um, I have three children here on earth. Um, I have a fourth growing in my belly right now. Um, And then I have I have a baby that we lost to a miscarriage in heaven. And then my son, Aiden, who um, passed away as a six week old mm-hmm. baby. And so, um, so I'm a mom <laughs> yes. and I, I spend my days, um, right now while my kids are at school. So if you had asked me this in the summer, my answer would have been a little bit differently, but right now while the kids, the big kids are at school, I'm, um, I spend my days working for, um, the morning, which is an organization that I started a few years ago, um, specifically to create resources and community for women who've experienced the loss of a baby. And so that looks like a lot of different things. And I wear a lot of different hats, um, to do that and to make that happen. But that's, that kind of sums up who I am, (laughs) the different hats I wear. I'm a wife, Mm -hmm. I'm a mom, and I run this this organization for lack of better words at this point. Um, and I get to, I get to love on other moms. Um, that's, that's what I do. Um, yeah, I don't know if that answered your question. (laughs) No, that's great. And you do it so well, Ashley. I just, every time I listen to you talking with other moms on your podcast, I just sense you're, you're just like, I don't know, you've just got such a heart to hear them and to encourage them and to encourage anyone who's listening. And uh, yeah, you have a wonderful ministry through the morning. Thank you. You're so sweet. Well, and I know that that, um, it's all come out of your own motherhood experience. And so maybe just share a little bit with us about your sweet little Aiden. Um, Okay, so my husband and I got married in um, 2005. And I was a senior in college my whole first year of marriage. And um, before I had even graduated from college, uh, we found out that I was pregnant. And it was a huge surprise. And um, that moment was terrifying. I remember having like a panic attack in the closet of our bedroom, thinking like, "I'm, I'm too young for this. Like... I felt like we, I felt like a baby myself, like I had just gotten married and that felt like a really big deal, um, especially since I was in college and all my friends were still in college, like everyone I knew <laughs> were, you know, we were college students yeah, and here I am yeah. pregnant and um, I remember my husband <laughs> grabbing me by the shoulders and being like, you are acting like you are like 15 <laughs> and we aren't married, like you're freaking out as if this is like something that we hadn't already like we were headed in that direction at some point. Like yeah. this isn't this isn't like foreign to us. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, so um, <laughs> that like fear and terror quickly turned to excitement and joy, and we were buying already. I mean, we were like what a minute pregnant, and I'm like buying the books and the, oh, yeah. and the clothes. And, um, I'm just kind of an all or nothing kind of girl, and so mm-hmm. I was just like okay, well, if I'm not going to be scared, I'm going to be excited. And so yeah. we were so excited. And on our first anniversary, we were on a little, like, little getaway. And um, I went to the bathroom and saw, like, the faintest hint of blood. And I just knew in that moment um, that that wasn't 
that wasn't good. And so we miscarried that pregnancy on our first anniversary, which was just mm. really, really hard to walk through. Um, yeah. as, as a couple who's just barely married and I was very young yeah. and, um, it just was a lot. So mm-hmm. what was interesting about that, that loss and that grief, and we could talk a lot about that, but we have lots of things to talk about. So, um, <laughs> What was interesting about that was that while the initial shock of, oh man, I hadn't planned on us having a baby this soon, after that had worn off and then we experienced the loss of that baby, suddenly all I wanted was to be a mom. And so Mm -hmm. um, as soon as the doctor gave clearance, we said, you know what, we have this desire, let's just see what happens. And so we... um, tried to get pregnant and we got pregnant with my son, Andrew. And so Andrew is my oldest son. He is 12 and a half ish. And so, um, I've been on this motherhood journey for about, um, counting the pregnancy that we lost about 13 years, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so my son, Andrew, I was pregnant with him and that pregnancy was really scary at first. And then once we got past the first trimester, I naively, and I say naively, meaning I just know so much now. Um, mm-hmm. but I naively was like, Oh, we're, we're going to be great. <laughs> and so, um, yeah. and, and we were, he was born and, um, I loved being his mom, even though he was a horrible baby, <laughs> just the <laughs> worst baby. Um, until about six months old, I don't think he stopped crying. And so, oh, um, what is sorry. really funny is he, I remember a pediatrician was, um, he was older, a wise old man and just so kind. And he said, you know what? Generally these really just hard babies end up being the best ones. And Mm. I don't know how true that is for everyone else, but for my son, it turned out to be, he just is like the sweetest kid ever and Mm -hmm. just amazing. So, um, but around (laughs) six months, he finally stopped crying and was just a joy to be around. And we think that I must've finally slept through the night and so I must have ovulated and we got pregnant again oh um much to our surprise and so um that felt imagine six months of just like chaos like I have no idea what I'm doing this baby hates us I can't like make him happy I can't everyone around us, nobody wants to be around us because our baby won't stop crying. Like we felt like we had finally stepped out of that. And then we found out I was pregnant and I just thought, oh, I can't do this again. I can't do I can't possibly have two babies in 15 months. Yeah, that's a lot. Oh man. And so I remember the night we found I found out I <laughs> I had felt sick for a week or so, but because I was breastfeeding, I hadn't missed a period, so I didn't know. I just had thought I had like a flu bug or something. Mm-hmm. And so it occurred to me that it wasn't going away, these, these symptoms. And so I took a pregnancy test. My husband wasn't home. And I just remember putting my little six-month-old baby in the car and driving to CVS because I just couldn't believe the test that I had taken at home was accurate. And so, um, and I just remember crying and crying, like how, God, I can't do that. I like how the thought that scared me the most was how does a mom put two babies in a, in a shopping cart? Like how does, (laughs) how does a mom go to the grocery store with two 
babies. Like I just couldn't logistically understand where the two babies go in the shopping cart. And so, um, and just like with our first pregnancy, that fear, it was almost immediately, like it went from fear to exuberant joy. Mm. And I've never been one to back away from a challenge. And so I thought, well, this is just going to be an amazing challenge. And so Mm. we, um, our thoughts shifted from how in the world are we going to have two babies, you know, under 15 months old to, oh my gosh, we are so excited that we are going to have these two little, um, we found out later, two little boys who would be just the best of friends. They would be raised almost like twins. I mean, they would just be inseparable. And Mm. um, so the fear gave way to these like dreams. Yeah. So um, on October... October 8th, my son Aiden was born fast and furious into the world. And um, the next six weeks that followed were just miraculous. And I say that because, like I said, with my oldest, the first um, like months were really, really difficult. And with um, Aiden, it just was very different. And I don't know... It, and I say this a lot. I don't know if that's just nostalgia speaking. Like I look mm, back and yeah. I'm not seeing it accurately. Um, or if God just really did give us a sweet blessing in this in that season, knowing mm. that that would be all that we would have with him. Mm. But it really was. It's like we had always been a family of four. We just really stepped into it kind of naturally. And uh, it was just a really beautiful time. Um Right before he turned six weeks old, um, for uh, sorry, I'll back up. He had been, my son Aiden, he had been sleeping through the night. Again, he was like a perfect child. Mm-hmm. He had started sleeping through the night, even just like a week and a half before then. He would, I would feed him his last feeding before we went to bed, and then he would sleep until, you know, the morning. So he was sleeping these long stretches. Um, but right before... Um, he would have been six weeks old. I, I woke up, um, in the morning with a panic, um, because it was later than it should have been. And, um, I, I went down the hallway and where he was sleeping and I found him not, not alive, not breathing. And so the moments that followed were, um, hell. I don't know how else to, the days that would follow would be equally hellish. Mm-hmm. Um, we called 911. We administered CPR. We waited for the ambulance to come and it felt like hours and I'm sure it was just minutes, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and those those EMTs, they worked so hard. Um, and I remember like leaving the room to let them work. And I immediate, I grabbed my husband's phone because my husband was on the phone with 911 on my phone. And so I grabbed my husband's phone and I called every single person in his contact list. And I'm like waking people up. It was like 5 a.m. I'm like waking people up on a Saturday morning Mm. asking them to pray because I just didn't know what else to do. 
Um, so we rode to the hospital. We grabbed our then 16, 17-month-old son and rode to the hospital where the doctors tried tried so hard to bring him back. Um, but, it, you know, that was not to be. So... <laughs> that is that is the story of my son's very short little life here and it's crazy how 6 weeks i think we counted it's like 37 days or something 30, 30 33 days he lived can just change your life forever it's mm-hmm. just crazy um so I'm sure we're going to talk about what the days and weeks and um, years following looked like. But mm-hmm. that's the story of him. He changed our life forever. He changed the life of a lot of people. God used him in some pretty incredible ways. And and I think he still is. It just looks a little bit different now. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's the story of Aiden. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for sharing that. Oh, I know it's not easy to to go over that again. Yeah, I just think you're you're so you're so brave and courageous to to honor him the way you do and to talk about him and to use that to to do all the wonderful things that you're doing to support other women now. Again, because I know it's so hard to to talk about. Does it bring you joy to talk about his story as well? Does it give you, is there a piece there as well to be able to, to share? Yeah, of course. I think um, for moms, even though it's hard, it's hard to share about things like this. It's hard. Mm. Um, moms love talking about their children. Yes. And so... It, it's just, it's very natural for me to want to talk about him. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the, it's not, there's no, um, it's sad. And I haven't, I haven't shared like the details of that in, in a long time. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it just reopens <laughs> a painful the wound. wound. Yeah. Yeah. A friend of mine who I had on, on my podcast, um, our babies actually, um, died very close together, like within weeks of each other, and she became a, a friend because of that. And I, she was talking about how um, even for us, like we're coming up on 11 years later, it's still not a scar yet. It's still like a little bit like it's not an open wound anymore, mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. like a, a tender scab. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense, but no, it actually does yeah. make sense. Do you think it's because you, you know, you're pregnant, um, again with this precious new little life and you, you're still kind of walking through these early years as well. Do you think that plays a little part in it? Or do you suspect that this is just maybe how it's going to be for, for a while? You know, I, I think I thought, um, I mean, for sure, hormones have something to do with, <laughs> with the tears. I, I cry a lot. Oh, <laughs> these days. yeah. No, the tears um, are fine. <laughs> yeah. But 
I, you know, I, I talked to um, Nancy Guthrie. I don't know if you're familiar with her. Yes, I've heard her story. Yeah. yeah and, you know, her, she lost two children 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it's at least 20. And she still has tears. Oh, and so yeah. I just think that that full healing of being able to talk um, in a way where it doesn't feel like a wound might just not happen until heaven. Absolutely. So, and and I, and you know, okay. I'm 11 years into this, and I can say that's okay. Yeah, it's okay if it if it's if it still like stings a little. Um, but the question about do I still want to talk about him or mm-hmm. um, does it bring me joy? Absolutely. Yeah. Because, like I said, every mom wants to talk about her her children. And you want so, them to be remembered. Yeah. 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 So just explain a little bit, maybe um, your experience of those first few days following maybe what those, we go through so many emotions following loss and there's a whole lot that's going on in our minds and in our hearts. So I'd love to hear kind of what that was like for you. Yeah, I think there was a lot. (laughs) There was a lot. Yeah. And there's just a few things that I think might be helpful to those listening mm-hmm. um, that I was thinking about this question. Um, the first thing, when I look back at, if I'm, if I'm like picturing myself of 11 years ago um, in those those days that we're following, I think I really struggled with trying to figure out how I'm supposed to do this. Like, meaning, what it, what is grief supposed to look like? Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. So I actually spent a lot of time those first few days, I would say months and even like a few years, being like, how, how does a person grieve well? How mm-hmm. am I supposed to do this in a way that honors God and still is like faithful to him? And um, am I allowed to talk about my son? Mm-hmm. Sh- should I talk about him? Am I allowed to talk about how I'm hurting? Um, if you can remember 11 years ago, that was like... Facebook, for example, had just kind of started being a thing. Yeah, and I yeah. remember being like, am I allowed to post that I'm having a hard day? Like, is that a thing? Can oh, I do that? Yeah. And so right. I would say that one of the first things that I think about when I think about those first few days and, and weeks and months was just this like unknowing. It, it's so uncharted. You've never mm. been in that spot before. Mm-hmm. And for my personality, I really struggled with, okay, can somebody just tell me how to do this and then I'll do it? Like doing it right. Like you feel yeah. like you have to do it right. Yeah. But there and really so, is no right way. Right. So I would say if there's anybody who struggles similarly, not everyone's going to struggle that way. But yeah. if somebody is struggling that way, I would say feel the freedom to figure out how to grieve the way that you need to grieve and that there's no pressure. Not even if somebody has told you <laughs> something like there is no pressure for you to do it a certain way. Um, but those first, first few days were, um, tumultuous. You know, I don't know how else to describe it. It was a very strange because I had a 16 month old that needed mm-hmm. his mom and I had a husband who needed his wife and, you know, we had family, um, I couldn't, I'm very visual and I had the hardest time we left the hospital and I thought, I cannot go back to that house. I can't go back to my house because all of his things are there. And so I, I didn't go home. I actually didn't go home for six months after. 
um, he passed away. Oh, wow. Um, we like we left the hospital and went right to my in-laws house. And there we stayed for the next until I f- had the bravery, <laughs> honestly, like to go back home. Um, and that was hard. Mm-hmm. That was really hard. It it helped me to the degree that I one of the things that I would struggle with for for a long time would be that I was dangerous to now my older son. That it was my fault that my baby oh. had died. So so. Being in my in-laws' house, I felt safe, and I felt like my son was safe. Like Nana, <laughs> Nana will take care of him, and so that was like an interesting, an interesting thing that I don't know that I've heard many women experience a similar thing. But for me, that was very real. Um, I didn't sleep. I didn't sleep, <laughs> so I was just so scared of something else happening in the night. So mm. there wasn't a lot of sleep that happened. Um, and on if I'm being honest, I don't really remember much else from, from those days and, and the immediate days following, um, we were surrounded by a lot of people who loved us and loved us really, really well. So I remember there were, there were meals and there were gifts and there were people like taking care of all kinds of logistics for us and trying to really bear the burden with us and come alongside and just like hold hold us up um but beyond beyond that I don't actually I don't really remember very much Hmm. well it sounds like in addition to grief you were battling a lot of anxiety right so oh yeah yeah that's very that takes up your mental space like entirely right Um, So it makes a lot of sense that it would be difficult to remember anything else. Um, I'm just going to side note or ask you, not side note, but just ask you, what was that moment like when you you felt ready and able to go home? I don't know that I ever actually felt ready. Yeah. I think it just, so part of our story when I said um, that my husband's a church planter is that we, earlier in the year, actually around the time that we found out we were pregnant with with Aiden, um, my husband and I felt like God was calling us to um, to move and to plant a new church in Florida. Now, we lived in Virginia, and so our house had been put up, we had put our house up for sale just a few months, like a month before my son was born. And so um, it had been on the market the night before, before he died, we had a showing. I mean, we were like in the throes of like, we're, we're, we're leaving. Um, and so honestly, (laughs) I don't know that I ever felt ready. It just, it came to a point where it was actually necessary. Like I had to go pack our house because it had sold and we needed, we were moving. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it was, it's just an interesting thing looking back. I still struggle to do those physical, like physical steps sometimes that feel like really hard and bring mm-hmm. back like moments of trauma. Mm-hmm. There was, uh, since, since then I've learned about 
PTSD being a very real thing. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. yeah, in situations yeah. like this. And for me, that would have been, that's probably what, what was happening, that I yeah. physically could not walk back into yeah. my house. And so, um, I honestly, I don't know if I <laughs> felt ready, um, but I just, at one point or another, I had to just do it. And I had some very sweet friends who came to my house and helped me to pack up all of his things. Um, and for some women, I've heard like people doing that before they go home so they don't have to see those things. Mm. Um, for me, I I wanted to like help, help that process. Mm. I wanted to be a part of it. I couldn't have done it on my own, but I didn't want it done without me. If that makes sense. Um, no, I think, and I think that's the healthiest way to do it because you are, you're not giving power to the fear, right? You're, you're, you're still kind of stepping in and, and kind of facing what is so painful and so difficult in that moment. And, um, yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned PTSD and I think, you know, this is, this is a lot more common, um, I think I think that we're starting to learn more about how real that is following loss, especially the you know what you went through, and um, so I, and I wanted to ask you what it was like um, with your family and friends. So you've obviously talked about how supportive they were, and I'm so grateful for that for you. Um, but what was communicating with other people about what you were struggling with? Like, um, was it difficult? Did you ever experience, um, you know, others just not really understanding the, the, the fact that, you know, you weren't able to go home and, and some of these, these things that you were working through? You know, it's really interesting because I, I think there's like some funny thing in my personality <laughs> where I, I have no problems telling you exactly how I'm feeling. Like, so I want to do things the right way, but I also have a really hard time not being fully transparent all the time. Mm -hmm. And so in this scenario, that outweighed my wanting to, to do it right or meet someone's expectation. And so I was very honest with the people around me about how I was doing, um, Mm -hmm especially the ones who were very present and asking all the time. Um, so I had two, two friends. Um, I mean, we had, we had a plethora of people around us, but two specifically, um, two specific examples came to mind. Um, one friend, her name was Jenny and she would, she would, she would literally pray that God would help her like take the pain from us and just let her feel it. So that she could like pray real prayers for us. And I legitimately think that her heart ached for us and with us. And so she just, she would be up all night like because she knew that I couldn't sleep. And so she would be sending me messages in the middle of the night. Like she literally carried that burden with me and for me. And so that happened as a result of me being honest about how I was doing. So... Mm -hmm. Um, I'm always pretty quick to encourage women to be honest about how they're doing because of that, because of my, my own story. Now, not everybody around you is going to be that amazing, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, and, and they're going to say the wrong things. They're going to do the wrong things. Um, 
and I think it that's okay. We we have also said and done the wrong things before, um, but the value outweighs the risk, in mm-hmm. my opinion and in my experience. My other friend, um, I did have a friend who questioned, "Hey, hun, don't you think it's time to go home yet?" Mm-hmm. And honestly, I wasn't I wasn't even offended by that at the time because I knew she loved me. And I knew that it wasn't like a, um, like a, Ashley, you should go home because the world says you should go home. Mm-hmm. It was more so of a, like, I think, I think that this is going to be hard no matter when you do it. So maybe we should think about when that needs to happen and how we can make it happen. So I knew her heart in that. And what's interesting is like a week after she asked me that question, she actually came back to me and was like, I should have never asked you that question. I like, I was not my place to say, when are you going to go home? Or don't you think it's time to go back home? And so I think looking back at those kinds of moments, I can just see the value of being really, like really honest with the people around you and being willing to show grace to the person who might say the wrong thing or the hard thing. And likewise for the people around you who who are trying really hard to also navigate what it looks like to love someone who's grieving, mm-hmm. um, to show them to show them grace. And likewise, it's just this like really messy moment. Um, but I I think my biggest the thing that helped the most was that I was honest about how I was doing. I would literally say, I like. I'm too afraid when I had more children. I'm too afraid to go check on them right now. Can somebody else go? <laughs> like, I would have like 15 girls in my house for a small group Bible study, and I would be too scared to go check on my son Asher or Addie. And I would be like, who wants to go do it? Because I'm having a panic attack. <laughs> so I, wow. I, I don't, I think um, me not being honest about that was never really an option. I don't know if that makes sense. Well, it does, and it sounds like you had and have a circle of friends that really just know you so well, and that you're you are comfortable enough to to express all of that too, and that's a huge blessing. That's amazing. I would yeah. say I would I would add to that if you're somebody who's in a spot. So we moved from Florida, I mean from Virginia to Florida only. Um, nine months after he had no no no. it was like six or seven months we we moved out of my in-laws house back to our house for like a month and then we moved to Florida and so and we moved here when we moved here I knew no one and so I also understand what it's like to grieve when there's nobody around you yet who you feel close with Mm. or safe with and I would say find that person like whatever you've got to do like the first Sunday that we were in Tampa, um, I had met, I'm, we went to a church and I sat beside a girl and I, I cried the entire time, like did not stop crying. And I know she probably was like, wow, this girl is crazy. <laughs> what, what is happening? And afterwards she was talking to my husband and she was like, Hey, I just, is your wife? Okay. Now, my, this new friend had no idea what was going on. She didn't know our story. She didn't know anything. And my husband shared with her. And to this day, that girl is one of my best and dearest friends. Yeah. 
And so my encouragement to somebody who's listening who might not have that friend, it would be to, like, (laughs) not in a, like, I'm not saying this in a demeaning way or in, like, a forceful way, but go find the friend. And that takes being honest and vulnerable with somebody in a way that might you might feel uncomfortable with or awkward with at first. But there is something beautiful that happens with a friendship when it walks through a season of grief mm-hmm. and, and pain and suffering. Something yeah. really beautiful. And so it's worth... I've been on both sides where I've been surrounded by people who know us and love us. And I've been surrounded and I've been in the place where nobody knows us. People, nobody even knew my son. Imagine how hard that was. Yeah. Like nobody yeah. even knew he existed. And so I've been in both spots and I still say it's worth it's worth it to mm. like hey, I'm really hurting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is really really speaking to me because if I'm being vulnerable, um this has been my weak spot in a big way. I have um up until very recently I went through a lot in the first eight, nine years of being a mother and our journey of, of loss as well and going through a lot of other things, not allowing others into that picture. Like I would talk about it and I would share a little bit, but I did not know how to be vulnerable and to even allow myself to cry, like really mm. cry. Um, like when you talked about sitting in church and just crying through the service, I mean, I would not have been crying in the service. I would have been holding back every tear and trying really hard not to let anyone see my pain. And I have had to learn in the last year um, what it means. And I'm still learning. I'm still, this is still a really hard thing for me, but I'm trying so hard to learn. And what you're saying is is truth to me. Um, It's just, again, I completely um, agree that women need to be able to do this. I I sometimes wonder what would my experience have been like if I had allowed myself in those moments when somebody came over to the house after we lost our little boy River and they said to me, I remember an aunt and my grandma coming and saying and looking at me and just going, how are you doing? And I had three other children and I remember totally holding back the tears and not wanting to show how broken I was because I didn't want my kids Mm -hmm. to see me crying and I didn't want to look like I did not have it all together I mean really I I (laughs) I've been a piece of work that way so anyways I'm just sharing that because there's that I'm feeling this contrast between right? The way that you have grieved well by allowing others into that picture and being honest. And, and I, I, I've just promised the Lord that I would use my own, I guess I can say mistakes, um, in my grieving to help other women, um, recognize that it's just not wise to clam up and to guard yourself and to be afraid to let other people see you really in pain. Um, it is not worth it. And so thank you for sharing that, Ashley. I know that that is going to be um, really, really encouraging to, to our listeners. Yeah, and I think if I can just say one more thing about that. Yes, I, I yes. think, well, first I just want to say it's not easy to do that. Like our natural inclination, especially in our culture, 
is, is to like keep it all together. So I definitely understand that struggle. Absolutely. But I would say the encouragement is that when you let other people into your grief, including your children, which is a crazy, we could talk about that too, but, Mm -hmm. um, you're teaching them what it looks like to trust God, even when it hurts. Yeah. And if, if the people around us aren't getting a front row seat to what it looks like to walk with the Lord, even if we're angry or even if we're doubting or even if we are just in the pit of, I don't even know if you're there or if you're good, like all those questions, if they don't get to see that, then we miss an opportunity to, to, to teach them what it looks like to suffer well. Um, because we, we live in a broken world. (laughs) So that means naturally the people around us are also going to suffer at some point in their life. Maybe not in the same way, but they, they'll be able to look back and say, you know what? I want to grieve like that in a way that is honest and authentic and true, um, and messy. It's messy, right? Yes. (laughs) Yes. It, nobody's got this perfectly wired, but I think especially with our children, like we, we talk about, it's just a very natural part of our, our conversation now because they have a brother in heaven. And so, um, people would probably ask us like, why are you talking about these things with your children? My children know what I do. They know that I talk about the most hardest things with women Mm -hmm. every week. Like they know that. And they are getting a front row seat to seeing God be glorified even when the hardest happens. Yeah. So I just think we're doing an injustice if we don't, if we try to keep it all neat and tidy. Yep. I agree. I agree. Absolutely. I that's think not I a, the- that's not a condemnation towards you. <laughs> I think you're amazing. Mm, I just think, I I think all of our tendency is to keep it neat and tidy. We want it to be like all perfect and tidied up with a bow. Oh yeah. Oh Yeah. yeah. And also, and as you're talking about our kids and what they see, you know, I'm thinking about how for the first two years after we lost River, I tried to protect my kids from feeling hard feelings about that. And, and then, you know, in the last year it's really shifted where I've, I now I'm starting to, you know, say, you know, you, you have a little brother in heaven, but because they never saw him and, and, and all these different factors revolving around that experience. Yeah. I just really, I really thought that I was doing the best thing by trying not to talk about it too much, but you're right. I mean, we have to allow them into this and we, you know, and it's different for the different ages, right? Right. Each child can handle you know, a different amount of information and emotion, but it is really important. And so again, thanks for sharing that because I, I know moms need, need that encouragement to, to feel that freedom. It's really hard to navigate through, through some of those things for sure. It is hard. And we will, we'll make mistakes. Like we're going to say the wrong thing to our kids. Sometimes we're going to like, we're going to miss it. I'm going to put, I'm going to say things to them that are probably too heavy for them to carry. And I'm Mm -hmm. also going to like, forget to tell them about how God worked in a certain way. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm going to miss it. And I think we can trust that God is big enough to, um, to help them navigate that also. So yes. we shouldn't be afraid that we're going to ruin our children 
or ruin the people around us or scare away the people around us. Yeah, yeah. I know. And and in today's, well, I don't know what to call it, you know, um, be happy, you know, create your own happiness kind of culture, right? It almost feels like, you know, people are after creating this perfectly happy um, life and that we don't, you know, it's, 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 we don't want to interrupt that, mm-hmm. you know, in some way. I, I, does that make sense? It yeah, kind of, that's definitely. what I feel like sometimes. Yeah. You know, I wanted to talk about your relationship with the Lord a little bit during this time, because that also can be really up and down. And, uh, do you mind to just talk a little bit about kind of, um, just what your your faith journey looked like during your grieving um, and, you know, how maybe your perspective of God shifted a little bit maybe during this time or what kind of growth you experienced in your relationship with him as well? Yeah, it's such a good question. I think this this part of the story just feels like it's, it's not neat and tidy either. No. <laughs> um, so you asked me, I think, if I ever experienced anger towards God. Yes, yeah. And I think, oddly enough, I never experienced anger towards God. I did experience a slew of other emotions. And I think some people experience, it, it just varies from person to person. But for, for me, there was a lot of doubt that uh, started occurring um, in who God was and how could he be good. And so like a, a real questioning of his character um that would that would last for years and so and even now I the reason I said this isn't neat and tidy is because it still doesn't feel like it's wrapped up like my perception of who God is is very is still kind of all twisty and um that doesn't now what what I want to say though is that that doesn't keep me from still trying to pursue my relationship with him. And so um I don't know if you would believe this and I'm not saying this to be like pious or like Ashley super holy, but the very next morning after my son died, I found myself sitting at my in-laws kitchen table reading through Philippians. And the reason that I did that wasn't because I felt like this, like I need a hug from my father, not like that, like I needed that comfort. It was like a, this is all I know. This Mm -hmm. is in this moment where everything else that I thought I knew just came undone. Mm -hmm. What I know is that God, God is real. And even though I am very confused right now, the only place I know where to go is, is right here. And so, um, my relationship with the Lord has looked a lot like that morning ever since then. Meaning I, you can find me pretty much every single day with my Bible open and me asking God to remind me who he is, because it is really easy to forget when your heart is broken that he is a good father. It's very easy to forget that he is present when you feel alone. It is very easy to forget that he is just and mighty and gracious and merciful and infinite and powerful and all of those things. And so I would say my relationship with God over the past 11 years has looked like a constant seeking to be reminded 
of who God is. Because apart from that, I am I am a wreck. Like mm. as soon as I forget who God is, then all <laughs> everything around me kind of starts to crumble. Oh, I so relate. Yeah. 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 And again, I don't want somebody listening who is having a hard time praying right now or having a hard time opening the Bible, who's in a season of suffering or loss or grief, to hear me saying that in a way that is like, Ashley is really holy. Mm-hmm. It, it, was a, it was out of desperation. It was like out of a, I'm drowning and I need air. And that was like the oxygen tank. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I hear you. I, I mean, I, that was the first thing I did. I mean, I was in the hospital waiting to go into labor with, to deliver river. And I was, I had my Bible open and I was just writing out scripture and, and that was the comfort and the balm that I needed. It was desperation as well. It was just, this is, this is where I need to be right now. I get it. Yeah. And I, it doesn't, I don't think it, it doesn't make us holy. It, it just, it means we're just, we, we chose maybe to write, to run in the right direction, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you've got, you've got a new little baby on the way. And from what I've gathered from your post, you're sharing online, this, was this a surprise pregnancy? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to talk a little bit about it and... And I know that it's it's been hard because it's a subsequent pregnancy and there's been some anxiety. So I'd love to hear your heart about about what this this pregnancy has been like for you so far. Yeah. So, um, yes, she was a, a massive surprise. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't I didn't really come right out and say that online anywhere, um, mostly because this is what it feels like for me to be pregnant. In the space, in the space that I live in every day, um, it feels like I'm. It's Christmas, and I'm standing in a room with women who I love, but I'm the only one holding a present. Mm. There are so many women who are just—they would give anything to be pregnant. Yeah, and so, out of a heart of just. I never want to make that harder for them. Um, I just, I I assume that people could gather <laughs> because the age gap is so big. I um, guess, yeah, I guess that's what I. Yeah. And just I from, obviously, people aren't stupid. <laughs> um, I just didn't want to come out and say, yeah, yeah, this is a surprise and I'm scared to death. Um, mm. It just, it feels very hard. I, I. For so long, I said, God, you are so kind to not have called me to the ministry that I'm doing until I was done having children. And, and then here we are. <laughs> and he is still kind. It just oh, looks yeah. different than I thought. And so, right. um, yes, she is a surprise. Mm-hmm. And that in of itself has been hard just because navigating lo- how to love people who are doing everything in their power trying to get pregnant. And then Mm -hmm. it just seemed to happen, obviously, like very easily for us. Now, I I know the truth in that God controls life and death. I've Mm -hmm. firsthand experienced that multiple times. And so, um, but that doesn't make that kind of news any easier for somebody who's, who's 
trying to have a baby. So, Mm -hmm. um, as far as how has the pregnancy been so far? (laughs) Did you ask me that? How's it been? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, after, so after Aiden died, we, we got pregnant with my son, Asher, um, probably nine months later or so. And I knew about a baby dying in their sleep and I knew about miscarriage Mm -hmm. and I knew, and I had my one friend who had had a stillbirth right at the end. Mm. Um, but I still didn't know all that I know today. And so because of that, I feel like God was very like gracious in keeping me a little bit naive. And so I walked through that pregnancy. Maybe also people were just praying for supernatural peace. Um, because if I'm comparing even that pregnancy, which in my mind, that pregnancy should have been the hardest to walk through. It wasn't as hard as this one. This has been really, really hard. Um, I am constantly fit, like warring against anxiety and fear and panic. Um, and that is just for anyone who is pregnant after loss. It is just a battle to fight for joy and peace. Yeah, it is. And I think that saying that out loud might be helpful to somebody who's in that spot, knowing that, like, it doesn't just happen naturally. Like, there is a war in our hearts <laughs> around us yes. happening for the joy, like, to still our joy and to still our peace about this. And so um, I that's how I would describe this, is that every day I'm trying to make a de- make an actual decision to celebrate this life that part of me doesn't actually believe that we'll get to bring her home. Mm. So, and that looked different for at the beginning than it does right now. Like choosing to register for <laughs> all the things because we are literally starting over. Um, yeah. That was an intentional decision to say, okay, we might actually get to keep this baby or, mm-hmm. um, painting a nursery like these are things that were like for for a new mom that is like an easy thing and a fun thing Mm -hmm. and exciting thing Mm -hmm. for me that was like a I'm gonna make an intentional decision that today we're gonna talk about this and that's gonna feel hard because I don't actually believe that it's gonna happen but we're gonna I'm gonna like take a step towards obedience in that right it's just yeah it's one little step in a in a sea of many that have to be taken throughout the months in a in a subsequent pregnancy and I really I really get it I think I waited the longest to um, put together Dawson's nursery Dawson's our youngest um, and he's our he was our pregnancy after we lost River and I it did it I, I put it off and I was I love to do nurseries I've put them on my my blog and and um it's been it's always been such a joy to do that but I did I waited I waited quite a quite a bit longer to kind of do some of that stuff for the same exact reason because my heart was still continually questioning if we would we would be you know bringing him home so yeah 
Yeah. It's interesting. It's like that those are like self-protective measures. Yes, absolutely. As if that could like eliminate some of the pain in the future. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Even though mm-hmm. we know the truth yeah. that whether you have a decorated nursery or not, it's going to hurt so bad if something mm-hmm. goes wrong. Yeah, yeah. But we think we think that we're like guarding our heart, <laughs> yeah. so to speak. And yeah. I would just, I have to speak truth to that meaning. God, God ultimately is the one who guards my heart yes, and protects my heart. And so, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, yeah, I like me deciding to paint the nursery or not is not going to make me love this baby less or more and, and, and also be in less pain if something mm. happens. Yeah. Yes. And in a sense, you know, you're celebrating this beautiful life of your little girl growing right now. You're celebrating that by mm-hmm. taking those steps, right? And I think that's such I'm a trying. beautiful thing. <laughs> What's that? I'm trying. I'm yeah. trying. Oh. And uh, okay, so at the time of this recording, how far along are you right now? Um, almost 30 weeks. You're almost 30 weeks? Yeah. Oh my goodness, I didn't realize, I didn't realize, Isn't oh my goodness, crazy? mama, this is coming up so soon. <laughs> I know, oh, I know. You're, you're in the home stretch right now, I that's know. so great. Isn't that crazy? Yes. Well, we waited, we waited so long to even announce it, so. How far along were you when you did? Um, We you might have like... been like 17 weeks. Oh yeah, oh wow. Yeah, I mean, it was far. I was having to wear like very interesting clothing trying to keep that a secret (laughs) oh but that's kind of I think a lot of people do that just because it makes it easier um it it shortens the duration of time right to to be sharing and and waiting and stuff so that's so great so as you kind of get closer and closer to her due date do you feel like the anxiety is shifting at all one way or another or is it kind of the same the same experience of of feeling nervous about it do you feel any of that dropping away at all the closer you get unfortunately for me no okay (laughs) that's just the honest like yeah bummer answer and there's reasons for that I mean if you can think like a normal woman that would be probably be the case but for me and the line of work that God has like asked me to do Mm -hmm. I'm literally spend my days talking about babies all dying. the things all the things that yeah. could go wrong. yeah and so yeah. for me it's like an everyday having to ask god to protect my mind and my mm. heart um i jokingly told a friend <laughs> i jokingly told my friend that i was gonna put counseling sessions on my registry <laughs> <because> <laughs> Um, oh, sorry. I shouldn't have laughed so yeah, loud, but I mean, but, I should have done that yeah, as well. Right? I don't think yeah. that's a thing, actually, but, no. I mean, you know, it really should be. I, <laughs> so, I get it. Um, I totally get it. Yeah. And for me, because my son died, so so now working with pregnancy and infant loss, I know all the horrible things that can happen in pregnancy, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. my firsthand experience is it with infancy. And so for me, the the fear actually, like the can't sleep trauma kind of fear panic happens after the baby's born Mm -hmm. so I think there's a little bit of anticipation of that also there's some like fear surrounding that but I do want to say you asked me what I'm excited about I don't want it to be all this like Ashley's (laughs) a mess I am it's fine guys (laughs) I'm fine I'm fine um but I am one thing that has been really interesting 
so there was a lot of fear surrounding the age gap of my kids. So my kids mm-hmm. will be 12 and a half, almost 10 and seven and a half when the baby's born. And there was a lot of, because I had babies so close in age. So I had four in five years. And so wow. that like, they were all really close in age. And so now like this feels very different and unique. And the, I think I was kind of scared of that because it's unknown. So right. what is this going to be like having big kids? You know, we're starting over. This feels like so uncomfortable um, the unplanned part of it. Um, and I will tell you that having big kids has been the sweetest blessing in this. Mm. Like they are just so excited. They pray for me. Like talk about bringing your kids into your mess. Like you should have seen me before our, our like 20 week anatomy scan. I was a wreck and they, like my kids laid their hands on me and prayed for me. Um, like they got to be a part of that. And I just, no, I, again, like they're bigger. I, I don't know if we would do that with the two-year-old, but mm-hmm. um, allowing them into that. And they have just, like, they're amazing. So one of the things that I am really excited about is getting to watch them be like big siblings to a yeah. baby. Like they kind of think she's their baby. <laughs> like oh, they kind of, they kind of think they get a say or a vote in her name. <laughs> like it's very <laughs> funny, but that has been a sweet surprise um, along this journey, and I'm really mm-hmm. looking forward to watching that. Oh, that's so special! Yeah. It's going to be amazing having so much help in that way. I think I, I'm. I really, I don't know. I think it's going to be. A, a, a balm for you in that, you know, those first few weeks just to be able to have more rest than maybe you would have previously. Yeah. yeah. yeah I think that's going to be so helpful in so many ways. Yeah. Okay. Let's just talk about your, your podcast a little bit, because I know that, you know, you, like you've mentioned many times, we've mentioned, you know, just how you're getting to support and help other mothers in their own grief journeys. And um, this, you know, all came from your own experience. When did you first feel um, kind of drawn to helping other women? And then just talk a little bit about how your podcast began. And, and well, the morning, you're, you have a website and you have yeah. so many resources available for women. And you also have an incredible uh, Facebook group book. A Facebook face group book. There you go. That's awesome. <laughs> I haven't done that yeah, before. A Facebook awesome. group. Yeah. Um, that I'm I'm also a part of and I have been so blessed to be a part of that. So um just an incredible community of women who can openly share uh about their their losses, their babies, their whole journey of grief. So yeah, share a little bit about that if you can. Yeah, that's you're so sweet. <laughs> to, to ask that and um, to be a part of that group. You know, one of the questions that you asked me kind of in preparation for this were, was how did the support that I received or lack of impact mm, the way yes. that I'm supporting them now? Yes. I think that's actually a good starting point because for me, I would say I experienced this amazing support from friends and family around me. I didn't receive a ton of support from the like professional side of things. And I was actually just talking with a friend about this, about the lack of like follow-up or aftercare in a situation like this from Mm, say the hospital. Like it still baffles me that they let me leave the hospital that morning without my son. Like 
I don't know what they should have done, (laughs) but it just feels very strange. Like I left with no resources to be able to cope with this new reality. And so I think I kind of combined both of those experiences into this, what I'm doing now, meaning I got to see firsthand how vital it is for women to have community and, and also to have tangible resources to help walk them through grief. And so the other aspect of the community piece was a month after my son died, I still remember the day I could like draw a picture for you what it looked like. Um, I met a friend who had experienced a stillbirth for the very first time. I had a friend who had walked through losing a baby and, um, it was December 15th of 2008 and we sat at Barnes and Noble and we just wept together. And so while for the la- the month prior, I had had all these friends and family surrounding me, none of them actually knew how I was feeling. So there's value to the community around you who, who love you and are walking with you. Um, but there is also value to the community of people who actually know how you're feeling. Yeah. And, and I think both are necessary. And then, yeah. like I said, those resources. And so um, this actually, I started this um, many, many years ago. It's been different iterations of itself of what it is today. But it started originally as um, like paper goods for funerals. And that came about because... I don't know if you've seen what a funeral home offers, but they are just not beautiful. And I was a graphic designer. And so I thought, you know what? This is, this is a need. Like, why, why are we, why don't we have things that are better for these moms? And so, um, a friend of mine, I went to a, uh, oddly enough, to a stationary design conference, um, back in, I can't even remember, 2011, 2010. And, um, she, she approached me and she said, you know what, Ashley, I think you should do this. I think you should create beautiful paper goods for moms who are having to plan funerals. And so I actually did that for a little while and I just couldn't figure out how to do that well in a way that Mm. felt like it was actually meeting a need. And so, um, I remember just a few years later, I was actually standing at my son's grave, which I don't get to do very often because he's buried in Virginia and we obviously we live in Florida. And so, um, I remember standing at his grave and just being really torn about God, what do you want me to do with this thing? Like Mm -hmm. I have this desire to help these grieving moms, but I don't think that this is like necessarily the thing or is it? Like I just stood there asking God, what did he want me to do with, um, at the time we were calling it the Aiden Sage. It was like the Aiden Sage shop. It was all named after him. Everything that I was doing was about my son. And I felt like God like shouted to me. I remember him even if nobody else does. And I realized Mm -hmm. in that moment that I had been trying to pursue this thing all in the name of my son so that he would be remembered. There's mm-hmm. such this fear of, of your child being forgotten. Right. And God just quietly and and so beautifully reminded me that he would never be forgotten, not by me and not by God. And um, what that did was give me the freedom to kind of step away from it for a season and say, okay, God, what do you have for this? This is not about my son. This is about these women who need to be reminded that they are loved and not alone. And so um, 
a, like a little while later, a few years later, I re kind of like launched the idea of helping grieving moms. Um, and at the, at the time, um, I decided that it didn't, it was not about me and it wasn't about my son because like God said, I'm going to remember him. Um, Mm. and so, um, I wanted to make it about these moms and I wanted to make it about how real joy is going to be found. And so, um, I named it the morning after the verse joy comes in the morning. And so, um, that's kind of how it started and it, it's growing in like lots of different ways in the way that we're like loving and providing resources for these women. Um, but the podcast, everything that I'm doing is coming through a lens of how do I make sure that these women don't feel alone? Mm -hmm. And so one of the best ways that I thought we could do that is by them hearing other women tell their story. Same, the same thing that you're doing here in a really beautiful way. Like Mm -hmm. how, how can we, there's just something about somebody telling a story and another woman listening and saying, me too, me too. Like you instantly feel less alone. And so that's how the podcast got started. I had no idea if anyone would even listen because (laughs) like who, who, at the thought of it, I was like, who wants to listen to this sad girl talk? <laughs> like, um, and yeah. God has just really used it to to remind women who are hurting that they're not alone. So, mm. um, so yeah, I don't know if I answered all of your questions. There was a lot wrapped up into that. But um, yes, so we have this resource called The Morning. And within that, we have blog post resources. We have um, an online community, and then we have a podcast. And so through those different avenues, we're trying to help women feel less alone and very loved amidst their grief. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so huge for us to get to hear other women's stories and to feel um, understood and not alone because it isn't always easy to open up about these things with other people. I've experienced the same thing of wondering, does anyone care? Like, do they still, do they mind, um, me sharing or is this, yeah, is this kind of a a downer topic for them, which is so sad, right? Because we should be able to feel free, but it's not always the case. Yeah. It's not always the case. So thanks for providing that platform because I know it really is reaching so many women and um, positively impacting their hearts as they walk through their own grief journeys. Can you talk about uh, just we're, we're, we've got a um, oh my goodness, I could talk to you for so much longer, but <laughs> I feel I the same want... way. <laughs> okay, good. Um, one of the things that you know, I know you've talked about a lot. I've also discussed this with a lot of women is how hard um, it is navigating through others' responses to our grief. And mm-hmm. I know that you've had women share, I've heard it in your Facebook group about just the really insensitive comments that people can make. Mm-hmm. And we know that that comes from awkwardness. It comes from a lack of understanding, a lack of education. Um, there's a lot of different reasons why, you know, this is encountered. But I just wanted to ask you, because I think you um, have a lot of knowledge on this and a, probably a lot of insight to offer. But how can others who are walking through a mom who is grieving support her well, whether it be through tangible 
things or through listening and just what what can we say and what maybe should we not say? Hmm. You know, it's such a great question and I don't know that there's a perfect answer. I would I would point us to um, Nancy Guthrie did write a book about that very thing, like what to say and what not to say. I okay. don't actually know the title of it right now. Okay, I'm going to look gonna, that up. We're going to find it and we will <laughs> make sure that it is resourced for yes. all of you listeners. Yes. Um, I think that that might be a great place to start. If you are if you have a friend who's hurting, that might be helpful. Um, the second thing I would say is for the grieving person, so this is going to be a two-part answer. For the grieving okay. person, you, it is very easy to be hurt by the people around you when you're already hurting. Mm-hmm. And my, my encouragement to you would be to, um, when those hurtful things are said or done, to acknowledge them with grace. So the reason that I say that, not just like, brush them off people are going to say stupid things like that kind of response isn't necessarily helpful because like I said before there's going to be brokenness in this world all the time and so as somebody who's hurting it becomes this like sweet and gracious opportunity to help somebody understand how to maybe do it better in the future so that comes with time though that like being able to communicate those things happens over time in a way that doesn't feel like you might like shatter under the weight of telling somebody to stop being mean to you. (laughs) Yes. Yes. But it is okay to say, you know what, that, that was actually like a kind of not helpful or that was like kind of a hurtful statement. Um, or even saying something like, I really like it when you say this, or I really like it when you ask me this. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the the most important part of that is just the like asking God, literally praying for God to give you the grace to handle yes. the people who will hurt you, and mm-hmm. then asking Him for the wisdom for how to deal with it in the future. Like, what does yeah. that look like? Because people are gonna say hurtful things. Generally speaking, they don't mean it in a malicious way. They're not trying no. to add to yeah. your hurt but they don't know what to say. And so like, let's come alongside them and help them. So that would be my, one of my things. Um, so good. I, I think, yeah. And I just, I can't iterate, like say this enough, the more you can communicate, the better. So even saying like, if your friend says, how are you doing today? And you're like, I'm actually doing okay today. This is like something that's really big for a grieving mom. She feels the, she actually feels like afraid to tell you that she's doing okay because she's afraid you're going to stop asking her. And so I think saying, you know what, I'm actually having a good day today and I'm so grateful, but I'm going to like, please don't stop asking me because tomorrow I might actually be having a really hard day again. Yeah. And so like acknowledging, hey, this is how I'm feeling but this is kind of what I still need from you as far as like friendships go. Um, I don't know if that's helpful for the person who's grieving, but I I have found a lot of help, like comfort in being able to communicate Mm -hmm. those things with friendships um, and family over the years. Yeah. And it's really, it's really hard for some, some women, right? It's really hard to communicate like that because they Mm -hmm. feel, well, for whatever reason, it's just not as easy. 
Um, so it takes a little bit of extra motivation and oh, courage. Oh, it's, it's but, really hard. It's yeah. like, I don't hear me saying this in this like, oh, this is not a big deal. <laughs> it's yeah. like super hard. But I do think it's worth it. And that like a whole story about my friend who like I, I like wept beside her. Yeah, yeah. We had to have those kinds of conversations often. Her personality mm-hmm. was different than mine. And she would say things like, she, and she was she was not married and she did not have kids. We were in two very different seasons of okay. life. And so there was a lot of educating that had to happen. Mm-hmm. And that felt awkward and uncomfortable. And you want to know what, though? It was worth it. Like, to this day, one of my best friends. And so um, we can talk about anything now. So it's it's worth it. For the friend, the, here's a few thoughts. When you said what to say, what not to say. Right. Mm-hmm. Asking, like, how are you is helpful. Or I'm praying for you today. Like, a simple text message that says I'm praying for you today reminds her that you haven't forgotten. Um, I think that it is really helpful to remember that she doesn't expect you to have all the answers. Or to make it better. She doesn't expect you to do either of those things. Um, So feel the freedom to show up and just sit and walk alongside her in the like awkward messiness of grief. Like asking the questions, how are you, is helpful. Um, I think think just showing up and being... um, willing to serve her is also helpful. One thing that is not helpful is saying, hey, just let me know if you need anything. Yes. <laughs> because a grieving mom doesn't actually know what she needs. And if she does, she's probably not going to ask you. It's going to be hard to ask. Yeah. yeah. So instead, you can just show up with a meal or show up and watch her other kids or show up and do the dishes for her. Yes. Um, So like, don't wait for her to tell you what she needs. I would say show up or even better. I love the options. (laughs) So like, hey, my my best friend still does this on like hard days for me. Um, So November 15th is the anniversary of when Aiden died. And so like a few years ago, she she texted me and she said, I know the kids are at school and your husband's working. So I'm coming over. Do you want to go shopping or do you want to watch movies all day? Like she literally, like she just gave me the options. (laughs) So if you're a friend walking through this with somebody, you're still giving her a choice, you know, and she could obviously say no if she doesn't want you to come over. Yes. Yeah. Although I remember trying that day to say no and it didn't work because she knew that I really didn't want to be alone. Um, So I think saying, hey, I'm coming over. Do you want me to bring wine or chocolate or both <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> what what would be most helpful and i think the best thing you can do is just dive in i've heard this from so many guests like just be present just keep sending the text messages even when she stops answering like hey i'm praying for you today i'm thinking about you today i haven't forgotten i'm still here mm-hmm. i'm still praying like just keep trying um, and be willing to sit in the mess of it. 
I know that's not like a pretty answer, but no, it's so helpful. It's so helpful. And I know we could say so much about this, this topic specifically. Um, but I know that there's, there's just so much understanding that we, like you said, that we have to offer the people in our circle. Um, when they do say things that, you know, don't need to be said, but why, why do you think it is so hard to just kind of come into um, this grief journey with others and sit, like you say, and just listen. Um, I mean, sometimes when I think about that, I think it's because we want to fix it, right? People just want to yeah. fix it. They want it. They want to fix it. They don't want to see others hurting or experiencing pain, and so they they want to try to say the right thing to make it all better. But that's just not possible. It's yeah. not possible. And, and being it, just being present. Yeah, go ahead. No, you're, you're right. I think the reason why it feels so hard is because the people around you who love you don't want to see you hurting right. any more than you want to be hurting. And so um, as somebody who has been in those, those spots, I know how hard that is for the friends and family around you. Like yeah. you don't want to see your friend hurting. It's so hard. And you're grieving in a whole nother way. Like yeah. there's a lot of like you also are experiencing grief. Um, like my, my best friend says to this day, she was like the moment sitting in the hospital waiting room, the day my son died was one of the hardest days of her life. Mm. Like I wasn't the only one who lost something that day, you know? And so, um, it, it is, it's so hard to sit in the mess because they want to, they do want to fix it. And I think, just feeling the freedom that we, the the people who are grieving, don't expect you to fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can point us to, <sighs> no, I'm going to say this and then I'm going to back it up with something else. But if you <laughs> can point us to the one who can bring about healing and, and truth and, and joy and hope in our hearts, that's yeah. that's how you can. But here's yeah. here's the caveat to that. We don't want you to preach to us. And don't worry about your friend (laughs) when she asks the questions that feel a little bit scary. Right. Like, I don't know if God is even real. Yes. Yeah. So what you do in those moments really matters. You don't have to like, again, you don't have to fix it. God's got her. And so you just can begin to pray for her. And, And the next day you can say, hey, how are you doing with that? you know, and just asking and just keep the conversation lines open. But preaching to her in that moment is not helpful. She's, she's like, if you want to know how she's feeling, you can read like Psalm 77, where Mm. he, it's a Psalm of Asaph. And he literally is like questioning who God is in Mm. that Psalm. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's some intentionality, like moments where he shifts his thinking and says, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to purposely remember who God is, but God has to do that within her. And he will. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I appreciate you saying that so much. I feel like if we say, if we question God's goodness when we walk through these hard things or when we hear someone do that, there's this, this like anxious need to write that wrong or something, if that's the right way of saying it, you know, like this anxious need to correct and, um, 
you know, I don't know. I don't know if, if the thought is, oh, no, is she going to let this this experience turn her away from the Lord? Or is she going to walk away, right? I mean, there's just so many anxious questions that can come up. So I appreciate you saying that because I know it's really important for us to remember that grief is a process. It is not something mm-hmm. that just happens and then um, can be fixed. Um, like for, for many of us, we'll always have moments of grieving the loss of our child that does not go away and so in those early first days and weeks and even months you know it's super important for the people in our circle to understand how much we just need patience yeah Mm -hmm. and understanding and servitude really I mean like you say I remember uh the the friends that dropped actually it made me a little teary when you were talking earlier about the friend kind of just saying, okay, I'm coming over. Do you want to do this or this? I, I remember the meals that were dropped off by friends who really didn't ask. They said, I'm going to bring yeah. this. And like deliveries of groceries that were not expected. That stuff was was huge like I don't even think I knew how to (laughs) emotionally respond other than with tears because it was just like wow yeah you're yeah that's it's huge it's so huge it really is okay so where can our listeners again I think we could have done a (laughs) two-part a two-part conversation (laughs) but um can you just uh, share where our listeners can connect with you? You've mentioned it a little bit, but just where are some of the best yeah. places to find you online? If It's super simple. You just go to themorning.com. In morning, like the sun comes up in the morning. <laughs> so yes. M-O-R-N-I-N-G. And you can actually find everything there. So you can find the blog. You can find links to the podcast. Um and links to the community, you can find all of that information there. Um, mm-hmm. And if you want to follow along on social media, um, on Instagram, it's at the joyful morning. So mm-hmm. we would love to hang out. Yeah, absolutely. And I wanted to add to that that um, Ashley has some really, really beautiful free resources available. She has um, wallpaper, um, you know, you have the calendars, right, that mm-hmm. you do that are so beautiful. Everything's so beautiful sweet. that you make. <laughs> oh, no, I love it all. It's so beautiful. Um, and I have a little fun question for you. If you had four hours all to yourself <laughs> and someone had already cleaned your whole house for you, how would you spend that time? Oh, that is such a great question. And you know what? The, like, cool girl in me wants to say, or the the girl in me who wants to be the cool girl, wants to say, like, oh, I would take a bubble bath, or I would, like, paint my toenails, or, like, do something really, like, you know, relaxing. But that is not life-giving to me. (laughs) So I was thinking about this. I, like, if that happened today, I would finish painting the nursery. I would organize some closets. (laughs) like I love I love like creating order out of chaos I think that's like my like favorite thing to do so any kind of organizing project you'd you'd have for me that would be like sounds so fun you are totally speaking my language (laughs) and you know what for a long time I felt bad about being that girl who would rather do the project than like lay in a bubble bath and drink champagne but yeah 
No, give me a drawer of like spoons and forks that need to be organized. Yeah, <laughs> I will be much yes. happier. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, we're pro- we're um, le- productivity is life giving for us. Yeah. Yeah. Right? right? And obviously it's... there's value in rest. I know that. So don't mm-hmm. all preach at me. But mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh, I'm not going to. <laughs> yeah. But I just love, I love like um, working on things and seeing the fruit of my hands. I think yes. a lot of that comes from, because I work in an online space, I don't always mm-hmm. get to see the fruit of that. So like doing something tangible with my hands that I can like see with my eyeballs <laughs> feels yes, like really life-giving in this season. So. Yeah. Give yeah, me absolutely. somebody, call me with your closet. I'll come organize it for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So would you be drinking coffee or tea while you're doing this? Oh, coffee all the way. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a coffee girl. <laughs> Although I have been sipping on tea today because I think I was drinking too much coffee with this pregnancy and it was making my heart <laughs> jump out oh. of my chest. So, um, or maybe some ice water with lemon. Love yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Ashley, this has been such a good conversation. Thank you so, so much for joining me today. This has been this has been great. I'm just so excited to let other women hear this and, and to be encouraged by everything that you shared. It's been a blessing for sure. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Ashley shared so much wisdom and offered so much hope for the grieving mother, along with such tangible support ideas for loved ones who are walking through loss. I'm so grateful for Ashley's honesty and openness about her struggles. She's a true gem. If you are walking through your own time of loss, please check the show notes for more information on the Joyful Morning Facebook group, along with all of the resources found in this episode. If this conversation today was an encouragement to you and you think it would encourage another mother, please take two minutes to leave a review and then share this episode with your loved one. Thank you for joining me this week, friends. I'd really like to leave you with a reminder from Psalm 27. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. This isn't always easy, but he can do great things while we wait on him. I'm learning this so much right now. As always, Mama, no matter where you're currently at, keep your eyes on Him. Remember how very loved you are. Even in the messy and the broken moments, you are held by the one who will never, ever let go of you.